Good evening and welcome to episode one of the brand new football podcast that sums it all up. This is your host Alfie Steiner who is going to try his best to bring you a weekly podcast focusing on all things football related. A few things about me for those of you who don't know me. I am indeed an Arsenal fan who prides himself over his deep-rooted infatuation with the club of his heart. And yes, today is where me, my special guests and I will be discussing all things Arsenal. There was no other way to really launch this podcast in my mind. The Gunners tuning in today is certainly a day for you. However, don't let the title of the show put you off. This is not going to be a strictly Arsenal podcast. Yes, it's very likely that you will see a weekly segment dedicated to North London's finest. But at the end of the day, this is a football podcast. As the title suggests, me and my lovely guests and I will do our best to sum up our own thoughts, feelings and opinions on football's most pressing matters. We will delve deep into the Premier League's hottest talking points. We will make sure to cover the most important aspects of wider European football, especially once the Champions League and the Europa League get underway. Fancy football managers, don't worry, I hear your cries. Like you, I'm far too deep in for my own good and you can be sure to expect some good and proper fancy football discussion from time to time. So, to sum it all up, this is the pilot episode. Analyzing Arsenal, Arteta and our start to the 2020-21 campaign on That Sums It All Up on freshair.org.uk. Today, which will be Tuesday the 13th of October for all of you lovely listeners, is an hour or so dedicated to chatting about Arsenal. Arsenal as any club at the moment, but as is always the case with Arsenal, there is plenty to talk about. And no, we won't be focusing on Mesut Ozil this week. We will do that. Probably down the line when something else happens, which will be incredibly boring, but it's a talking point because it's Mesut Ozil. In any case, what better way to kickstart the pod by welcoming our first ever guest, Mr. Johnny Rosen, or he's more commonly known across his various social media platforms. I'm sure he'll tell us more about that. Football Transfer News official. Welcome, Johnny. How are we today? Morning. Morning. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. I'm pretty good, actually. Very excited to get this uh, this brand new podcast up and running. I thought, you know, given that me and you are both, well, long-standing Arsblog listeners, Arsenal fans, just pretty, pretty much Arsenal fanatics, I thought this would be a nice way to sort of transition into the norm of uh, now recording a weekly podcast. And I'm sure you'll feature on the podcast as we move forward. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great. And it's, it's a great way to fill the international break. With, oh, no, well, with no football. Absolutely. Um, well, I was going to ask you, how are you finding the uh, the current, ab- well, I say absence of football, and that's the first thing that comes to mind. And obviously it's not absence of football, but it might as well be, to be honest. How are you finding the current uh, international pause? Very boring. I nearly watched the Ghana-Mali game, I think it was, yesterday. Well, and I, I couldn't quite find... What even with uh, uh, a link? Even with the, oh, I, I, I can imagine why you might have been trying to watch the Ghana game, but we'll get on to that. We'll yeah. get on to that. For, for obvious reasons, I wanted to watch Ghana play, but other than that, there's not a, not a great deal amount. It was good to see Saka and yeah. Maitland Niles play yeah, for England. Unfortunately, I missed the England game. I watched the highlights, and it was it was good to see Saka. Saka number three, I quite like. I must say. I mean, I like seven. Obviously, he's going to be a further forward player. But Saka three for England was quite. Uh, I felt quite proud. And I feel like as Arsenal fans, we haven't really had that that link between national pride and Arsenal because <laughs> we haven't had many England uh, internationals <laughs> over the last few years. Yeah. Um, no, they they've all gone. 
Yeah. The last was well back, probably. But yeah, well, they've all gone, but they've also, <laughs> you know, sort of slowly dwindled into, well, the substandard level, which we sort of all knew they were at, but, you know, because they were arsonists. Like, well, we've got these England internationals. That's all quite fun. Um, but no, I, I'm well. I've, uh, so I, I bought, I don't know if you've got it already, but I got FIFA 21 yesterday, went to Argos, bought it, and uh, had my first few games of Ultimate Team this morning. And I, I just, I wasn't ready for what was coming. Very fast paced. It's a good game, but I, yeah, very, very rage inducing. So I need to sort of channel my, uh, my frustrations into constructively talking about Arsenal. In any case, we're going to briefly introduce you. So he is the founder of the football transfer page, a big Arsenal fan, an avid consumer of all the best Arsenal podcasts, as we've already discussed. He's a big Twitter user, just a guy who really does share my own passion for Arsenal for football, an excellent person to bring on to our pilot podcast. And today we're going to talk about, well, what, what else to talk about in the, in the international break? We've just had the end of the transfer window um, and we can talk about the first sort of segment of the season, the start that our, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal side have made and the complexion of the club's squad thus far and why we might be able to be quite excited for the way in which the squad is developing. Does that sound all right to you, Johnny? I reckon we can get some uh, some good conversation in there. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I think we should just crack on. There we but go. It sounds like a good little outline for today's today's pod. <laughs> today's pod, love it. Right, so there's only one place to start, as you already alluded to, and I'm just going to say it, and 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 people are probably sick sick to the core of already hearing all the different jokes and puns and whatnot, but. We're going to talk about the fact that when there's no Thomas, there's no party. And as you were saying, you wanted to tune into the Ghana Ghana game yesterday. I love the uh, you've probably seen the um, his little Twitter message or the, the the message to the Arsenal fans, which was quite funny. Can't exactly remember what he said, but that was nice to get some communication because obviously we haven't had uh, all those Arsenal fans are waiting for those uh, those inside <laughs> those inside behind the scenes all access videos to his his medicals and all that sort of stuff. But obviously he's been away on international duty, so I'm sure we'll get that in due course. But um, it's very exciting. Obviously, we signed him for £45 million, £50 million. Euros. 27 years old, he's well and truly in his prime or perhaps only just entering his prime, some could argue. Uh, Atletico Madrid's number five. So what are your, and we'll get into it, but what are your initial feelings surrounding this transfer? Initially, it's a great signing. He, I think he should solve a problem for us in the midfield in the sense that he's a lot more mobile than someone like Xhaka and a lot stronger than a, a Sabayos or a Willock. Mm. And he's not a box-to-box midfielder and I don't want to make any comparisons to previous box-to-box midfielders that we've had because that's not what he is. Yeah. But he will be able to carry the ball further from, say, our defensive third up until the halfway line in a way that Xhaka can't. And I think I'm looking forward to that, getting us out of trouble. He's mm. press-resistant. Mm. And look, he's, he's, I, don't want, I don't know if he's world-class, but he's a top, top footballer. And he'll definitely benefit our team straight away. It's not one for the future. You mentioned his age. I think, weirdly, a lot's been made about the fact that he's 27. Yeah. It's, he's not old. Fernandinho no. was 28 when he joined City and he's still going strong now at 34, 35. Mm. And Party could 
very easily do the same for us. I, I think it's all in all, it, it's a great signing and also credit where credit's due to the owners for what it seems like putting their hands in their pockets and uh, and giving Arteta and Edu some funds to go and get this deal over the line, which was integral to the progression of the squad. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that, I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at this transfer. I mean, the first and foremost, it's really important to clarify that you know, as much as we were interested in other midfield, central midfield options, I think Thomas Partey was the long-standing number one target for a long time. And I think the fact that we knew we could get him, depending on whether we were willing to meet the release clause, you know, there's been I'll draw draw our and anyone else's attention to a, to a couple of excellent pieces on the Athletic, um, written by David Ornstein and James McNicholas. Shout out to you lads! But you know, <laughs> really well documents very well the sort of long-standing interests. Party's been very interested in signing for Arsenal for you know the best part of two years now. Um, personal terms weren't an issue, and so I think you know it just came down to as you say whether we would be willing to stump up the cash because obviously it has to be paid in a lump sum, 50 million euros, not a, not a small amount of money. And obviously in a COVID market, the fact that we're not receiving or had previously not received any backing from our owners, struggling to shift players out. But, you know, we got the deal over the line. I'm slightly surprised that there's been, I don't want to say a negative sort of atmosphere around the, around the signing, but perhaps not as 100% positive as I might have anticipated. And I think it's because of the age profile, perhaps, in comparison to other targets. You know, we talk about Hussein Awar and the fact that, you know, we're, we're in a, a market where, you know, we're sort of making redundancies and then we're splashing the cash. And is he the guy? Is he elite? And I think a lot of people are sort of having sort of mixed feelings at the moment. But I think, you know, when you look at it on paper, he immediately improves our starting 11 he brings the team as you say a lot more sort of physical and technical qualities which I think you know we've been lacking in central midfield for a long time as much as Xhaka and Ceballos can you know do a job as they did towards the end of the season in a sort of very set rigid rigid structure I think you know as as um, Arteta has said recently party gives a lot of adaptability and tactical flexibility in the way that Arteta Clearly, and I think we're all excited to see the way in which he might progress into a four at the back. And I think Party, with his physical profile, can definitely help us do that. As much as I, you know, both you and I are excited for the signing, what do you think we can and should expect from him? Given that you know, it's a, it's a big amount of money he is being signed for now. It's a big, you know, it's not a it's not a risk because it's a good investment. But in terms of if it doesn't, what 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 is it not paying off? How does he become? How does he prove to be a successful signing? Do you think? I think we should expect and we should want an immediate impact from him coming straight into the team. We gave Pepe season to kind of settle in. I'm not sure if Party gets that same pe- grace period to kind of he has to hit the floor running basically. Yeah, he can't take a whole season to kind of get used to the prem to get up to speed with the English game. But I also don't think he will. I think he's also a much more mature player. He comes to London with solid foundations. He's one of his best friends, Tom Hemed, from his time at Mallorca, lives in London and is so he's got a network there can set I, up can I just, socially can I just outside the club, which is important. You're not getting that sort of information anywhere else than uh... go on. Football transfer news uh, underscore. 
<laughs> go on. So, yeah, he's sort of got to hit the ground running, but you think? I think he will. I'm confident he'll be uh, a success. He's not, in terms of goals and assists, that's not going to be what we should quantify as a success for him. It will be okay. to more the defensive end. Um, and uh, and I think what is really crucial, and I know, I think Amy Lawrence pointed this out, so shout out to, to Amy Lawrence, is he drastically improved the spine of the squad, mm. uh, with along with Gabriel and Leno and Aubameyang up top, who, who for the first time, I think, under Arteta actually played in that number nine strikers role against Sheffield United it looks more solid and 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 I'm really really optimistic for for what he could bring and yeah so that's that's what we should expect yeah and I think rightly so you sort of we we look at our sort of investments over the last couple of years and you know there's there's always a stigma attached to Arsenal about not spending money or obviously not being backed by the owners but when you look at the sort of funds that we or the the fees that we've splashed out for certain players, we've spent a lot of money, and perhaps it's more a a case of poor recruitment than not spending the money. But you look at this sort of signing, and you're right to compare it to last year's frenzied transfer of Nicola Pepe. And I think as Arsenal fans, we're all incredibly or were incredibly excited, and still, you know, we just given he given he is the record signing, we really want him to come good. But you can sort of was given that that, as you say, that grace period. And it's sort of more understandable. You know, he's a bit younger, he's coming from the French league. He'd only really had one properly like excellent season. He came into a club which was in absolute tatters. So you can sort of provide a context for his transition period. And, you know, he did start to nail down a particular position in the side at the end of the season. He was one of our best players. But, you know, I think Thomas Party is coming into a team which is more tactically developed, more sort of solid. And I think it will be easier for him on a personal level because he's been, you know, he's been playing at the top level pretty much for the last two years for an Atletico side, which are used to sort of competing into the latter stages of the Champions League, you know, competing more or less until the end with Real and Barcelona for the for the um, La Liga title. So I think this guy has a lot of experience and like you say he it's an easier sort of move to come into the Premier League at this point because of what Arteta's done, you know, in the last sort of what nine months at Arsenal. And so I think that as you say the foundations are there for him to come in and the foundations make this a less risky move from a football point of view and you know of course you can say well this has to work because we're paying him you know over 200 grand a week seven seven figure signing on fee 45 million pounds it's a lot of money and I think you know personally and it's a lot of pressure on him but I think you know this team is it was not far away before Thomas Party of being able to compete for those top four spots and I think with Thomas Party on board, in a way, we sort of judged this season's success. And with that, sorry, and Thomas Party's success, if we qualify for the Champions League, then I say Thomas Party's been a success. We've signed a player who has helped us. And in terms of direct contribution, it might be more difficult to measure because he's not that sort of elite player, elite goal scoring assist maker. But in terms of what he will bring to the side in a more subtle way, hopefully we'll be able to view that in in sort of towards the end of the season when you know we're we're assessing where we've where we've got to as you say we should expect a a very 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 good player to come in straight away and make an impact because and, and we'll get on to our sort of our overall transfer window and complexion of the Arsenal squad but you know, he's coming into a midfield where pretty much the the most 
sort of important player as Granit Xhaka or maybe perhaps Mohamed Elneny at this point. So, you know, the, the bar is not too high for him to come in and, and establish himself, is it? No, it, I think it's good to note that he also wants to play with those players. I think he's spoken about in the past how he sees himself working a, alongside Xhaka in a midfield too. Mate, um, I heard that in an interview he said he was asked if there was one central midfield player he could play with. He said Xhaka. I mean, I could be wrong there. But, uh, <laughs> could have been. It wasn't De Bruyne or, or Isco or Modric. It was, it was Xhaka. It was about number one. that double pivot with Granite Xhaka. <laughs> That's why he's come over. It was nothing else. You, he, you could have given him 100 grand, 50 grand a week. As long as he can play with Xhaka, he's happy. Well, exactly. But, in a more serious, on a more serious note, I think he he walks into the team as the best midfielder on paper. But he's got, I think, Xhaka and Sabias are, are good players. They, especially Sabias is someone I really like. I really liked him when he played a few years ago for Spain at the Under Twenty One World Cup. I thought he was a top player. And actually, before we signed him on loan last season he was being heavily linked with Tottenham and we were being quite heavily linked with Lucas Vazquez and mm. Madrid. And I was really upset by the fact that Spurs were going to get what, who I consider to be a very, very good young attacking midfielder, number eight, maybe a number 10 in Ceballos. Mm. And I think Party will link up very well with him. They've both played in La Liga. They will kind of share a similar philosophy, I hope. Yeah. And I think Arteta will definitely be able to get the best out of but the both of them and we say what would be a good season for the party how can we qualify what's a success for him on the pitch I think we can look at Sabaris's numbers this season in terms of goals and assists as maybe an indicator of how successful party's been if he allows if he frees him up in a more creative role absolutely and I think you you draw on a really important point there you know, it, it, it was made, we we all know that Arsenal are in sort of in dire need or, you know, still are in dire need of a, you know, injection of creativity. Someone in the midfield who can progress the ball from the middle third to the final third, contribute with goals and assists perhaps. And, you know, we didn't sign our sort of number one target in uh, Hussam Awar in the summer. But then we look at, well, what do we have internally? We have... Bakayo Saka, who people are sort of mentioning as a as a very promising option as that sort of inside um, left-hand side number eight. Ceballos, as you say, you know, you sort of look at his his highlights and and sort of view him in the Spanish national uh, under-21s and he was, you know, banging in the goals and, and he hasn't had that licence to sort of be slightly further forward in an Arsenal midfield, especially when it's just him and Xhaka in a midfield too, because that's sort of what we've settled on. And I think, yeah, as you say, Thomas Partey coming in will, an indicator of how good he is, will be, well, one, it takes the pressure off Ceballos and Xhaka to be the guys in midfield. I'm not saying their roles aren't going to be important, but they are now, pressure is less so that they can perhaps focus on, you know, the things that they're good at. And, I, you know, for Xhaka, it's perhaps slightly less clear, but Ceballos, I think, we will perhaps be able to see a bit more from him in an attacking sense, which would be really nice to see. Because I think, you know, we've seen flashes of it where he can he can really make an impact in that in that final third, but he just hasn't been positionally sort of allowed to. And I think, as you say, Party's arrival. I, th- I think, yeah, the the sort of the way in which Party is going to affect that midfield area. You look at the profile as well of Party, Xhaka, Ceballos. They're all, you know, from what I I know of Party and from what we've seen of Xhaka and Ceballos, you know, sort of unrelated to how good they are. 
they're proper fighters on the pitch. They give it their all. And that, as a profile of midfielders, you know, you can even put an El Nenny there. They are 100% dedicated, hard workers, ultra competitive, you know, set very high standards of themselves. You know, it's sort of on paper, it's quite a, a strong roster of central midfield options, which party hadn't arrived. We'd certain, certainly be lacking in that in that position. And, you know, who knows what Joe Willett could perhaps learn from Thomas Party. So, yeah, as you say, I think in terms of assessing Party's impact, well, how can he unleash and sort of allow our, our other central midfield options to sort of demonstrate their, their, their talents in a way that perhaps they haven't been able to because Arteta's felt we haven't had the options in midfield, which is exactly <laughs> what's happened. Yeah, no, also you mentioned the, the kind of the physicality and the presence of Xhaka and Partey and Elneny to an extent. And it's definitely, I think that was a targeted approach. Edu mentioned it in his interview on yeah. the uh, the Arsenal website yesterday, I believe, or a few days ago, to add physicality to the squad. And in Gabriel, Partey and William to an extent, you know, he's a unique player in and of himself. We've definitely added... In- and goal, mate. Huge presence. Yeah, he's what the, the the best Icelandic sweeper keeper there ever has been. Um, <laughs> but we've got we've added a new dimension physically to the squad. I think which which allows us to do more. Uh, we can compete. I mean, Saliba as well, who I'm sure we'll talk about is six mm. foot four himself and physically quite a dominating presence. Or I mm. hope he will be. Gabriel has has really hit the ground running and looks great in all of his kind of aerial duels and battles and party will, will be similar, I hope. Absolutely. Well, we started to touch upon sort of the, the overall complexion and we'll get onto that in a bit. I just wanted to run through, uh, you know, this is as an Arsenal, an obsessive Arsenal fan. This is one of the, one of the more fun things to sort of lay out in a nice, nice order. And I know you on your Instagram and and Facebook pages absolutely live for this stuff. Um, But I'm just going to run through the ins and outs of the window and talk briefly. We'll just have a word upon things that maybe we didn't do that we would have liked to have do in terms of incomes and outgoing. So ins, Pablo Marie, obviously, and Cedric Suarez came in sort of early doors. They were on loan in January and then we made them permanent deals. Obviously, Cedric was a free agent. Mary, I think, totaled sort of £14 million or something in that order, which we can go on to. Uh, Willian, obviously, on a free transfer. Gabriel from Lille. Ceballos, we re-signed on loan. Obviously, Thomas Partey. Um, I actually, <laughs> funnily enough, the last guy I wrote down was Robinson because I forgot about him. Um, and then, obviously, coming in back from loan spells, Elneny, Smith-Rowe and Saliba. Out, obviously, we. <laughs> this is one that I I, I just really hate. Uh, Mikatarian, we we terminated his contract, which is obviously the right move. But you think in in January we turned down a ten million pound bid from Roma, and obviously we weren't to know about COVID and stuff. But it just makes you think, why just not just take it? Um, Emmy Martinez, obviously upwards to twenty million from Aston Villa, and then Torreira and Genduzzi out on loan to Atletico and Hertha Berlin, respectively. And then a couple of younger guys, Mavropanos and Dejan Ilyev, out on loan. So yeah, that's sort of what the club actually got done. In terms of misses, you know, obviously we were definitely after Leon's Hussein Awar. Didn't quite get close, I don't think, in terms of reaching an agreement. Uh, David Raya from Brentford, we were strongly linked with. Apparently a couple of bids knocked back. He's obviously signed a new deal, but 
you know, we'll get onto that with a clause perhaps at the end of 2021, which I could definitely see us pursuing. We definitely would have liked a couple of centre-backs to go out because as we'll move on to shortly, we've got nine on the books right now. Kolasinac, it's a shame that we weren't able to shift him. I think all of us were sort of going a bit giddy. The idea of getting a 10 million euro fee and just getting him out the door. Um, and perhaps we were in a non-COVID market. Um, I think we probably would have, I think we did want to sign both party and our, and I think we would have been more willing to sell another sort of valuable asset alike to Martinez in the form of Ainsley Maitland-Niles or Hector Bellerin or perhaps even Alex Lacazette, but I just don't think there was the market for them in this window. And the only things left to be done, I suppose, at the moment, I mean, we're not going to dwell too much on it, but the Meza Ozil situation, I know it's going to, you know, it's going to be over in a few, like nine months or something like that, but is it just better to rip up his contract, save a bit of money? And William Saliba, he's been loan moved to Watford or Brentford. I quite like the Brentford idea. So yeah, I'm going to ask you to give an overall grade and then we'll get on to sort of how the squad's looking, what we might need to do in January and yeah, things that we're sort of regretting not doing. But whether we can sort of control that, obviously the market is is quite tough at the moment. But yeah, how would you uh, rate our transfer window thus far, may I add? <laughs> yeah, thus far, the, the domestic window is open for another week or so. So we could see a few outgoings. I don't think we'll see any incomings. Uh, overall grade, I'd probably give us a B, maybe, maybe, maybe a, a B plus. I mm. think I think the incomings were very good. We didn't really miss out too much on income. I know there was talk with our. I never thought we were ever going to get both of them. It was it was very much an either or from what I was hearing, especially with the market in this post COVID world and other than that the, the people we brought in were very good gabrielle is very good party is very good it's important the sabio still was very important to get that over the 100%. line he went and it's he went back to madrid he was training with madrid and there were there was a period where it looked like you know he could go to real batiste were interested valencia yeah. also interested in taking him on loan and i think it was very important that he came back to arsenal i know he said yesterday that he spoke to his agent after the Premier League season ended and said he wanted to return. Uh, I'm very happy he has. I think he was brilliant in the in the kind of project restart period of last season. Absolutely. And he started the season pretty well, I would say. So incomings incomings were decent. Runa Runison, I don't really know much about. I can't help but, but he was... it. you know, it's not to sort of mock this guy at all. I haven't seen anything of him, but you know, it's just his name, Alex Runa Runison. <laughs> makes me laugh and you know the fact that he sort of came out of nowhere he's a very cheap option to replace Emi Martinez so you know I don't know how much we'll see of him we'll probably see him a bit in the Europa League who knows it could be like Emiliano Viviano when he signed (laughs) and he didn't play a single game for us on deadline day in 2013 classic but I think I think I think Runa Runison is just a cost effective stopgap I'm kind of hoping Matt Macy leaves the club before the domestic window shuts, I think it would be good for both or all parties if he, if he actually found a club where he could play. Mm. Uh, Ilyev's also gone out on loan to to Shrewsbury, I believe, or I can't remember where he's gone out on loan. But but yeah. he, he's twenty, he's twenty five, Ilyev, and he's been like Matt Mates is twenty four, isn't he? Like these guys are not like yeah, they need they need to find clubs. You, you think you know we've got Leno first choice, Runa Runison, stopgap. And then you promote one of the young lads. We've got quite a few 
sort of promising young keepers. Carl Hine, I think, is one. Um, there's another guy who's very promising. I think it's just Carl Hine is good. Uh, Arthur Onkwonko. Arthur Onkwonko, who's just come back from injury, uh, is very highly rated at the club. Carl Hine, as you mentioned, is already, I think, first team keeper for Estonia, uh, their national team. So then there are two good young prospects coming mm. through the academy. I think, obviously, we will go back in for David Raya, who's at Brentford next summer. We were very keen to sign him. Mm. But it didn't really make sense to spend upwards of £10 million on on a second-choice keeper, having well, just sold Martinez for what was a hugely inflated price. The reports you know, suggested that we'd made a £10 million bid and that was not back. And it was just like, well, surely that's not economically sensible. We've just sold Emmy Martinez because the price was too good to turn down. Surely you don't reinvest all of that in a keeper. And I'm glad we didn't. But just touching on Emmy Martinez. Yeah, exactly. I know some Arsenal fans, and I think all Arsenal fans sort of, you know, slightly regret, you know, him leaving. But I think it's an excellent sale. We have not made sales like this. We haven't made a sale like that for a long time. I think it wasn't, I mean, bar sort of Alex Awobi, it's sort of not the, quite the same circumstances. But, you know, if Leno hadn't got injured against Brighton last season, uh, Emmy Martinez either stays as a backup or you see him go for about probably a quarter of the price, if that. Obviously, he came in, he was unbelievable. And I think £20 million in this market is an excellent sale and sort of, you know, shows a, a ruthless policy of he wanted to be number one. We couldn't we couldn't give him that, that status. Arteta loves Leno as much as he likes Martinez. And I think he had to go and £20 million sort of hopefully went towards we don't quite know the ins and outs of how we structured the funds together to to bring in Thomas Party but you'd like to think that that those funds were definitely invested into our summer transfer transfer signings. In terms of Saliba perhaps going out on loan I, I like the idea of him going to Brentford because you know, Brentford are quite a, in terms of what I've heard about them, a good sort of footballing club in terms of culture and philosophy and the way that they play and recruit. And I think, you know, if we were to send Saliba out on loan there, as much as we have, might have doubts about him going to the championship, maybe use as a sweetener for David Raya to come in next next year. Who knows? I'll maybe. add to that quickly about Brentford and, uh, and Saliba. It's also good to note, we as a club have quite good relations with Brentford. Back when he was coming through the academy, Wojciech Szczesny had an incredibly beneficial loan spill uh, at Brentford. And the two clubs have always got along well. I would see Saliba going there as, as quite a good fit. And if there was any club in the championship that he'd join, football-wise, location-wise, it would probably... Brentford would be the most obvious to me. Yeah. And you I know, think, you know, I think... Brent, and they're a good club. I know Brentford quite well from from when I used to play for their academy. But yeah, no, I just good facilities. They upgraded the academy a few years ago and then they shut it down completely. So it's but they they're very well run, very well run club, stable club. And and he would he would probably do well there. Yeah, and you think, you know, we obviously have good connections with them. We've been in touch with them over David Raya, but then at the same time, you know, we we signed um what's his name? Inaki uh Kana Pavon. So our new uh goalkeeping coach or not new he's been there for a while now but you know he's he's been you know apparently very very vocal in in suggesting goalkeeping options for Arteta he obviously knows the club very well so I think if if Saliba were to go to Brentford I think it would be on on the basis of a well-informed well-informed approach and we know how sort of much we're focusing now on getting the sort of loan destinations right for 
for Arsenal, you know, in terms of last season with Nketiah going to Leeds. That was sort of a very big decision. I think it was between him and them and Bristol City, was it, in the end? But, you know, we've seen so many young players. Yeah, it was. And it hasn't quite worked. It was described as an an (laughs) apprentice-like approach, wasn't it? Boardroom, where I think it was Bristol City leading another championship club all pitched to... So I yeah. guess it was Emery back then when the decision was made to let Nketi go to Leeds. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't know if that was the best loan spell the, for Nketi. He didn't actually do yeah, amazingly that. I mean, he scored, but he did struggle when uh, he was kind of second fiddle to Bamford, who, who looks to have started his kind of career or yeah. restarted his career in the Premier League on a high. Starting it with an absolute bang. It's promising to see our, you know, our specificity and care that we take now with young players going out on loan and really trying to focus on what the right sort of club and environment is, not just sending Nabry out on loan to West Brom or no other sort of examples spring to mind. But, you know, there's a lot more focus on suitability and a line of trajectory of, of how we see these young players developing and what will be best for them, both on the one hand to maybe if they can contribute to our first team or if they're not going to, if we don't see a long-term future at Arsenal, then how can we develop them well so that then we can extract maximum sort of value for them? Because I don't think we haven't done that well. And you look at how Liverpool have done it with Harry Wilson, sort of sending him out on loan to Bournemouth, brilliant piece of sort of business. He was very much able to flourish there and he's still on their books, but they're very confident in, they weren't accepting anything less than 20 million. Burnley sort of put in a 12 million rising to 15 million bid they're like no and you know they're they're very good at marketing their young players and I think that's something that hopefully we can get better at doing because that's going to be very important moving forward yeah. and, and on that on that point we should also mention that we did sell Sam Greenwood for three million pounds to Leeds which was not seeing as he was the highest transfer fee we received for a player other than Martinez this yeah. this summer yeah and also we got a million pounds in from the Charlton deal where they signed you back from, from Pauk. Uh, I believe we also got a few million pounds in from Liverpool for Oxley chamberlain winning the league. So there was a few clauses that came through this summer mm. and proved to be beneficial and maybe added three, four, five million pounds in total for the money we, we could put towards the party deal. But mm. we have so we have kind of started to sell a bit better are definitely also starting to be smoother in their transition and a lot of credit has to be given to Ben Napper who's the head of loans at Arsenal he's he's really done a, a very hands-on approach taking a hands-on approach to that role and I know Reese Nelson has spoken about the contact he had with uh, with the loans team when he was at Hoffenheim Mm. and it's something all all big teams have looked to improve Chelsea have been doing it for a long time kind of stockpiling players and sending them out on loan but we're starting to get the hang of it now and I think it's a good thing for our club Absolutely, definitely. I think it is time, you know, we've for so long, we've sort of, we've missed a lot, basically the last five years of really maximising our own resources in terms of players. And 
not not identifying the right markets for them and as i said before extracting the most value be it in terms of loan experience and then on effects on the field or off it in transfer fees i think you know it's it's good to see that there are positive strides and sort of quite decisive strides being taken towards them i just want to move the conversation on now and talk about and i know we've just finished this transfer window and it's slightly slightly silly to be looking ahead to <laughs> next summer's transfer window we've got a very exciting season to look forward to and but we can't help but talk about this season and this season's transfer window without reflecting upon the context of COVID-19 and how it's made the sort of transfer market and window very difficult for clubs to manoeuvre sell players loan players even but obviously you know and Arsenal aren't alone in having an incredibly bloated squad at the moment you know you look at various sort of big clubs you know uh, Manchester United Chelsea had to leave out quite big players in, in their Europa and Champions League squads respectively but you look at sort of the players whose contracts are up towards the end of next season and you know I'm sort of banking on the fact that we don't offer any extensions but we've got Meza Ozil, Mustafi, Socrates, David Luiz, Matt Macy even and I you know I was doing a bit of uh, doing a bit of digging and you know that's an annual save on the, their current wages of about upwards to 35 million pounds 33.45 million pounds then you look at perhaps next summer how you know we might have more uh, maneuverability in the market in terms of you know Torreira and Ganduzi have gone out on loans they're going to be playing a lot of football and you'd like to think that it's quite clear that they're not in Arteta's plans and as much as we can say oh we're sort of upset that we weren't able to secure you know permanent transfers this window after having played and hopefully impressed that's both their wages, hopefully off the bill next year, and a, and a you know a, a sort of more reasonable transfer fee for both players. You know, you'd like to be getting upwards to what we paid for Torreira back. Genduzi, you'd like to you know in an ideal world sort of double or triple your money on what we paid. I mean, maybe doubling's more, more logical, and, and maybe we didn't handle that situation that well. You'd like to think that Kalasnac maybe if he's not being used that much will go out on loan in January and then, you know, someone will be able to take him off our hands next summer. So, yeah, that's another, and, you know, I'd like to see maybe da- Danny Ceballos be made into a permanent signing depending on how he goes. I mean, this season, all of those players and their wages comes to about, you know, upwards to 15 million as well. So that's just wages alone. That's 50 million off the wage bill come the end of next season. And if we're, you know, this is a bit of foresight, but if we're, we're sort of saying that you know, successful season, and I'm going to say we are going to have a successful season, we will qualify for the Champions League. You know, that's the Champions League money, that's 50 million sort of freed up in terms of financial sort of flexibility. And you add another player who we might be able to sell, who have been sort of linked with moves away. You look, I mean, the first that comes to mind is Alexandre Lacazette, who he's into his last two years now. Do we renew? He's 29. He's, you know, he's been a good player for us. If we're going to be sort of ruthless and most effective in the transfer market, He's someone that we could definitely look to sell at the end of this season. You look at Hector Bellerin, and I'm really glad he stayed, and Ainsley Mayton and Niles too. But, you know, it's about selling an asset each summer or something like that. You look at Leicester, you look at Liverpool, how they've sold, you know, in their sort of squad rebuilds, they've sold well and reinvested well. And I think if we could get to the end of next summer, I mean, the end of this season, get all these players out on big wages. Sell, an, sell a sort of asset who's performed well for a decent fee. 
I think you're looking at the major squad overhaul sort of happening. You know, it started to happen, but over the the, the period of next season and next summer, um, and I think it's just very it's very promising to see that there is a sort of linear, sort of clear structure in place for Arteta to be able to say, "Look, I want these players. I don't want these players," and they'll go. And I think we've all we've said it for so long. We need to find a way to maximize our squad resources, and I think you know, slowly but surely it's looking as if we can see the sort of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of how we can shape this squad to benefit Arteta's, the fact that we've got a manager like Arteta. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on on why we might be able to already be looking towards the future um, in terms of um, a stronger squad. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with kind of the, the overhaul will take place next summer. It's very important to finally get Ozil out of the club it's just sucking resources and he's not contributing anything he's not you can even now argue is he even an Arsenal player if he's not included in the official squads that's 18 million uh, a year to, to yeah there's a there's there's a very good argument to, to, to just cancel his contract now in my opinion but we but don't need to get I, into that right now I don't think he'd, he'd do it to be honest at this point I think no I know I know that he he probably won't, and he's very very settled in in North London. He's just set up a partnership with a charity, a Unitas in in Barnet, mm. and so he's really laying his foundations in North London for for even after next summer. But I think yeah, it it will be a big window, the summer twenty one window with a lot of outgoings, a lot of high profile players, not dissimilar to last summer where we saw Koscielny, Monreal, Czech, Welbeck and Ramsey will leave and hopefully we we replace the players like Mustafi and Socrates and Luis with experience because I think that's definitely an issue that we had last year and last season was we lost what Emery dubbed four of his five captains mm. and didn't really replace any of them efficiently. I think there's also the January window which will be even more chaotic, I think, this year than usual. And we could see a few outgoings, maybe a few players sign pre-contracts with other teams. I wouldn't mind selling someone like a Kalasnic or a squad, another squad player, even, even an Elneny, although he's looking like quite a decent rotation midfielder. In a, in a January window or or next summer as well. But yeah, we need to sell another and, marquee asset as well. And just, That will be um, important. I don't know who that will be though. Yeah, to jump in, uh, you know, January normally is quite a quiet window. But if the Euros go ahead next summer and players have quite clear that they're not part of their managers or team's plans, but there's just not been the market or the, the clubs available to sign them on a loan even or for a transfer fee. So I think... Slowly but surely, I think January is going to be uh, a sort of loan frenzy um, because people are going to be desperate for playing time if they haven't already secured moves away. And I don't know whether we'll see sort of a lot of spending, but I think there'll definitely be a big shift and interchange of players. I mean, already- yeah, I think we could. I think we could well see someone like Socrates leave in January. It's I mean, clear that he's yeah not going to play. I mean, we turned down a bid on deadline day from PSG of all mm. clubs for Socrates, but that was dependent on the early termination of his final year and effectively would have made him a free agent. There, there, there are bids for him. He's a decent player. I think it's a bit unfair 
how how much he scapegoated under this new system because he's not really done much wrong, especially in his first season. But we've got too many centre-backs of the squad and that's definitely an issue we're going to need to address. Yeah, well, we're, we're about to address it just as the final segment of this podcast. But um, yeah, if we could get any of those, you know, those players that I've listed just then, you know, Ozil, unlikely, but Mustafi Socrates, David Luiz, I, I, I think is, is smart to keep him around sort of until the end of the season. But depending on what the squad looks like, and I do think, you know, given the weird preseason and lack of sort of break and, and you know, clubs are going to be more, it's going to be even more obvious in January who's part of the plans and who's not. And I think at that point, it will be perhaps easier to streamline the squad with, you know, perhaps more, as I said before, more ease in, in, in sort of making transfers and changes to squads. But yeah, let's get on to um, our centre-backs. There's currently nine on the books. As I said, three out of contract at the end of the season. We've got two young two young players in the, four, in the shape of um, Gabriel and William Saliba. And you think by the end of the season, Saliba will be ready for first team action. I know people are sort of slightly concerned and disappointed that he's not being mentioned as one of our options for Arteta's central defensive partnerships and and, uh, structures. And you think of, he does go out on loan. And I think, you know, look, the people who've been following him, if we trust in Arteta and Arteta thinks he's not ready, then good. If they can work out a deal or for him to go to a club which they think works, then I'm all for it. It's a bit of a shame and you have to question whether, you know, spending upwards to 30 million euros and I know staggered payments two years ago on a player who basically hasn't con- won't contribute for two years, given how much sort of the need for money and investment in other areas of the squad. Fact is, we've got him. If they see him as a player who's going to be excellent option for the next 10 years or so, then take our time with him. And you look at Mavropanos out on loan. If he does well, then perhaps he could come in and be an option, given that the uh, the outgoings that are going to take place at the end of the season. But if not, then if he does well, then a sale. But the, the sheer numbers that we've got at the moment is is obviously reflect a reflection of the poor recruitment, overpaying for players, paying them far too much money. And I think, you know, in that sort of post-Wenger transition and our transition to becoming not become, not being a Champions League club and becoming a fortunately Europa League club, we've got those players on pretty pretty hefty wages. And like you, I can't wait for just that natural sort of streamlining process where I can just cut our losses and move on from these Mustafi, Socrates. I like David Luiz as a player, but and he perhaps was necessary given the circumstances we found ourselves in. But you know, we look again to the end of next season. We've got Holding and Chambers who, you know, I'm not convinced. They're not going to be our, our starting centre-backs, but I think they're young enough. If Arteta feels they're, they're good enough for, to sort of take on board what he wants from a centre-back, if they can do it, then great. And they can be good sort of backup and squad options. If not, they're both English players. They're both experienced, relatively young. You could see sort of some sort of transfer fee being generated for them. They're not part of Arteta's plans by you know, January really, I know Holding's been playing, but then you think of a loan and then perhaps that boosts their, their marketability come the summer window. This, the centre-back positions, it is promising to see 
people like Gabriel, Saliba, even Pablo Marie to an extent, the profile that we're signing, you know, they're all far well above six foot. They're big guys. They're good on the ball. As opposed to signing players like Socrates and Mustafi and even David Luiz to an extent who aren't physically, aren't great technically. David Luiz is obviously pretty good as is Mustafi, but, you know, it looks like we're targeting a different kind of player and, you know, we can emphasize the left-footed centre-back role, which Arteta has been unequivocal in, that is essential for his sort of centre-back profile. But again, as I say, and I don't want to, in another Arsenal podcast, we will look at, look more at the season in hand, but it is just very, it's quite exciting to see how our centre-back sort of options are naturally going to be trimmed at the end of the summer and seeing which sort of players will come to the forefront. You know, Gabriel looks great. Pablo Marie, we haven't seen a lot of, but, you know, he's he's he could play that sort of Mertesacker role. Saliba, when he's ready, and then we've got, you know, one of or two or both of Chambers and Holding at the end of the season. I think David Luiz can play a very important role this season. But what, what do you make of our centre-back situation and what you anticipate sort of happening throughout the course of this season and at the end of next season, this season, sorry. I mean, it's a mess, I would say. It's still it's still a bit of a mess. We have, as you mentioned, nine first-team centre-backs. Um, if I was Pablo Marie, I'd be very confused about why. And I know we did the deal with Flamengo kind of on the assumption that we were always going to make his loan move permanent. But why would we then go and spend... £27 million on another left-footed centre-back who, by all accounts, does look very good. Mm. But I I also, I just think we've got someone like Mavro Panos, who clearly isn't ever, I think, going to be the quality yeah, but, that we need for a first team. I thought he was going to be great, so therefore he will be. <laughs> Sven, Sven Mizzenhead also thought Mkhitaryan was going to be I'm great. I'm <laughs> So I think, you know, we should... We should look to sell him in the uh, in next summer. He the reason why he signed a contract extension was not to decrease his value, not because we wanted him to play for us. Absolutely, and the same really goes for one of Chambers or Holding. Probably Chambers, to be honest. If I, I've got to sell one of those two, I also don't think Chambers is best position as a centre back. Mm. He had a very good loan spell playing CDM. For Fulham, and he was voted their player of the season a few years ago. Yeah. And maybe he could find a, a role like that at another club. Going back to the older centre backs, it, it, it's coming, it's becoming more and more clear that the, the sooner their contracts end and the sooner we can really rebuild that defence, and hopefully Saliba and Gabriel will be the two kind of primary first choice options there, the better for us. But I, I also don't think that we won't necessarily sign another centre-back at some point within the next year and a half because if five centre-backs leave next summer, which I think is very likely, we might have to bring one in. Hmm. And it's important we we bring quality in. Also, we should also mention that there are a few good centre-backs in the academy. Daniel Ballard, who's just joined Swindon on loan, is, I believe, a full international already. Yeah, for for Northern Ireland and Mark McGuinness also he had a good he had a good game against MK Dons in a pre-season friendly scored a very good header and there are a good few options in the in the academy at centre back but in general it, it it will need to be sorted out it's still it's still along with the number ten role are our two problem positions 
Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's going to take at least another year, year and a half to fully fix. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully by the time that's done, we'll uh, we'll have Saliba ready for first team action three, four years down the line into into his six year contract that he signed. Though uh, he might be able to make his debut, long longest ever awaited <laughs> debut, three years into his contract or something. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, as as we sort of draw draw a line under under this transfer window and we come come to come to an end of of this of this first podcast i think the 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 great thing to take away from this this transfer window is we can see a clear idea and a sort of combined a shared opinion of what's right for the club and we can see how the club are trying to move forward and deal with the the mess that sort of the post wenger falling away from the Champions League and Emery and Raul Sanyahi left us and it's going to take some correction and we have to draw some lines under these these incredibly poor you know uh, lack of lack of clarity ridden deals and I think that's the that's the exciting thing we can see a way out of it and we can see what we're trying to do and it's going to take some time to balance the books and and and, and get these players out and sign the right players and as you say strengthen the number 10 position find that balance of the centre back position you know, have a good, well-balanced squad, and you know we we could just talk for another hour on going into the right back and and centre-forward positions because those are also positions I feel at some point will have to be addressed. We can't have too bloated a position in there. But as we draw, as we draw towards the end of this first uh, this first episode of that sums it all up. I'd just like to say a big thank you to Johnny, and you can find him on social media. Where where exactly can uh, fans? find you so we're, we're on instagram at football transfer news underscore official uh same on facebook and also all about arsenal on facebook as well uh i'm on there um but thank you also for having me it's been it's been a pleasure to be the first guest on on your new podcast no, you're most welcome. Well, well thanks. Uh, it, it seems like it's going to be a good one. So, as Johnny said, you can find him on all his social media platforms with all the latest uh, transfer updates. He's well informed and has his sources sources well positioned. So he'll he'll keep you up to date with all the uh, transfers in the in the off season. Um, but we will be back same time next week. Tuesdays at six o'clock, and next week we definitely will have a more Premier League orientated show. In fact, we'll be talking about the. The return of the Premier League, obviously, because the international break will be over by then. We'll have the Merseyside derby next Saturday, as well as Arsenal, Manchester City. And we can also look ahead to the first round of the Champions League and Europa League fixtures. And I'm sure Johnny at some point will hop back on because, you know, there will be absolutely an Arsenal, uh, an Arsenal-centred um, agenda to this show. Not to put off any prospective listeners, of course. Anyway, this has been Alfie Steiner, your host of That Sums It All Up with our excellent guest, Johnny Rosen. And this has been the inaugural episode of the brand new football podcast on freshair.org.uk. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you same time next week. Take care and we'll be back next Tuesday.